Good morning, Evie Free. 10 a.m. Love being here. Love this hour. Love you guys. My name is Eddie Park. I'm one of the teaching voices on staff. And I, I need to admit something. You know, growing up, I never really thought that I could make a meaningful impact in this country. And a lot of it had to do with my race. I'm Korean. And unlike maybe being in Fullerton, where all, a lot of your uh, next-door neighbors is Mr. Kim or Mrs. Lee, uh, I grew up in North County, San Diego. Anyone know, know North County, San Diego pretty well? All right, awesome. Not many of you. <laughs> well, I didn't grow up in the beach side. I grew up in inland North County, San Diego. Nobody knew, and knew what Korean was in my elementary school. Every grade... Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, I got asked the same question over and over. So, are you Chinese or are you Japanese? (laughs) I'm Korean. Where did they come from? (laughs) Korea. Well, where's that? It's in between China and Japan. (laughs) You know, and I just realized very quickly growing up in my very Anglo culture that I don't think these guys are going to elect me president of anything. (laughs) And then slowly as I'm watching media, I'm realizing there's not many very talented A-list Asian actors other than like Jackie Chan. (laughs) And then the only professional sports player that 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 I saw were Asian were were pitchers. And the only thing this guy can throw down is a violin bow, all right? Not a ball. And so I just realized, I I don't think I'm going to make a very meaningful impact until high school. Until high school, when a show called American Idol came out. Anyone know American Idol? Anybody watch that show? Some shameless people, all right? I watched American Idol. Um, and, and, and it's funny because one of the seasons in particular, there was, a, there was one particular Asian guy that put us on the map. <laughs> There's an Asian guy named William Hung. He was a young guy. And you guys, you remember, remember, right? He sang that Ricky Martin song. Talk to me, tell me your name, right? She bangs, she bangs, right? You guys remember that? <laughs> right? You guys remember that, right? She bangs, right? Viral, viral video. Um, I'm not really here to talk about that. <laughs> But, but what, 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 what was so interesting in culture and society is that after American Idol, our culture became so obsessed with talent. There's so many shows that kind of spun off of the American Idol phenomenon, like America's Got Talent. Our culture became obsessed with talent. And that's what I want to talk about today. Two weeks ago, our church launched a series called Generosity in Service, and our pastor new community, Aaron Kerr, talked about time. And he beautifully taught us that time is a gift to, do you remember? Serve God and to serve others. Well, this week when I'm, when I'm thinking about talent and, and thinking about service, there's a, there's a major problem. Because, because of our, our culture, because we're so obsessed with being talented and needing a certain level of talent in order to make a contribution in order to be adequate, we kind of bring that into the church. And it's, it's unhealthy. It's unhelpful. 
for instance, you know, you know, here at EV Free, we're pretty, we seem like a pretty well-oiled machine, right? You know, I, I drive to, to, to church and I enter from Bassentry side into our parking structure. Anyone park in their parking structure? Yeah. And, and do you notice that our parking team is phenomenal? Are so gifted. This is a shout out to the parking team, actually. And, and there's a certain level of talent. You know, when I drive into from Bassentry and and I see that there's a car leaving a spot, and I don't want to park on the third floor because I have to carry all this like daddy baggage from, you know, from my baby. And, and so I'm like, I want to park on the bottom floor, and this car is about to leave. But the problem is what? There's a wooden gate blocking that aisle, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. And you're just like, if I could just get that spot. <laughs> but you know what? Not even three seconds goes by of having that thought. I see a woman running down the parking structure, pulling out the wooden gate for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she just, she just knows. She just knows that's the spot I want. And, and, you know, she doesn't know that I'm a pastor. She just thinks I'm another Asian guy that comes to this church, right? So I'm par- I get to park in that primo spot, not having to carry all my baby luggage. And then it doesn't stop there, right? You're walking down Plaza Walk. You're coming from the structure. And every 10 feet, you not only have one person, but you have two people greeting you. Every 10 feet, right? With, with a smile, with warmth, and saying, Good morning. Welcome to EV Free. How are you doing? And you would think that these people are like professionally trained in welcoming academy or something. They're gifted. And if that's not enough, you walk into our worship center, right? You walk into our 64-minute production service with the lights, with the cool worship band, with the worship leader, with the, with the haircut. Obviously, I used to be a worship leader. You get gifted, articulate speakers, not including this week. You, normally, we do. And we perpetuate, even here at this church, this culture that is consumed and almost even obsessed with talent. And this could cause a problem when it comes to service and the message that we're conveying about service because you could feel like, what can I possibly contribute Everyone's so gifted, so talented. What, can, what difference can I make? I'm not, I'm not good enough to be on host team, host ministry. I'm not good with people. I get too nervous holding that tray of crackers and juice. I'm not good enough to lead, a, lead and facilitate a rooted group. Those people have issues. I'm not, I'm not trained to deal with that. I'm not, I'm not good with kids. I can't serve in kids and special needs. You need some professional licensing to, to you know, how to, how to handle children with autism and, and special needs. I'm not, I'm not good enough to do that. This church is so talented. See the problem here? It's a problem. That's this message that we, that we perpetuate and, and from our culture, we bring in this obsession with talent. Everybody needs to be so talented. But here's the thing. When it comes to serving in the church, it's not actually about how talented you are. There's something more important than talent and how much talent you have. 
that's what we're going to explore today. The Apostle Paul teaches, teaches something much more important than talent to a very, very gifted and talented church, the church of Corinth. And so if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, your iPads, or if you want to just stare at the screen, we're going to have the book of 1 Corinthians up. You know, as I read through 1 Corinthians, I don't think I need to watch gritty television anymore. I'm really into, like, political dramas. My wife, she likes those, like, CSI kind of, like, murder case-solving shows. But as I'm reading through 1 Corinthians, I don't think I need, it, it has all the entertainment I need. It has the three things, money, sex, and power. In the end of the letter of 1 Corinthians, it talks about money. It talks about, Paul writes about the collection that the church is to set aside this money uh, for, for the poor in Jerusalem, the struggling believers in Jerusalem. And so he tells them to set aside. There's suing amongst Christians and believers in the same church. They're suing. Please don't sue us for anything. <laughs> and then there's all these weird sexual things that are going on in the church. There's a very prominent figure in the church that is living and sleeping with his father's wife. But no one is doing anything about it. But Paul is saying, hey, that's not okay. I don't care who he is. You're gonna, you need to do something about that. It's exciting. But I think the most prominent theme or tension in the book of 1 Corinthians is that there's this Struggle for power. There's divisions, there's dissensions, there's factions, there's hero worship. There's people that say, well, I follow Apollos. There's people that say, I follow Paul. I follow Cephas, also known as Peter. They're making all their claims. They're worshiping the heroes. And some even say, I follow Christ. I don't follow any of them. There's this dissension, but one of, the, one of the particular reasons why there's this tension of power and infighting is because of the way that they viewed talents and gifting. Historians would say that the city of Corinth is equated to Los Angeles or Las Vegas, an epicenter of trade, commerce, and entertainment. So the most talented people, the most charismatic of people would be in these cities. Very, very gifted, very talented. But the problem is that there are certain individuals with the gift of tongues, the ability to speak in a language that's divine or angelic, or some people view it as the ability to speak another language, another human language. And these people felt that they had the highest level of spiritual authority and it's not that much different than our culture today. Because if you think about who is most valued in the church, the teacher and the worship leader, it's the most charismatic of giftings, the most public and attractive of giftings that are kind of elevated through these places of authority and value. And is that right? I don't know. But what Paul does is he actually neutralizes that idea. He normalizes it by saying, that's just one of many gifts, friends. 
That's just one of many. There's actually, when you, you call it gifts or you call it talents, but it's, it's actually not just limited to that. It's, it's activities, it's service, it's, it's just things that we do for one another. And he says this in chapter 12. And he begins, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I'm going to jump down to verse 4. It says, now there are a variety of gifts. Not just one, there's a variety but the same spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities that we do. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. It's the same God, same spirit. But, you know, this is Bible study 101, or this is a helpful tip. tip. If there's a repeated word in a parallel sentence, it's probably a significant word. And what's the word that's recurring? Varieties. Variety. There, there's not just one. There's a variety. There's a plethora of things that we're called to do. Not just speaking in tongues. Not just leading worship. Not just teaching. But it's not these superhuman, metahuman superpower of gifts and talents. But this, it's all sorts of things. And Paul is, is leveling the playing field, saying, hey... You're not the most important. And Paul says something interesting. He says that, you know what? Even the gifts in themselves are not what's intrinsically important. It's not about you having that gift or even using that gift. He says that there's a greater purpose. There's a greater end to the gift. And he says this in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation Whatever that is, gift, service, activity, whatever we, we do in the church, whatever we do, it's for the common good. It's for the common good. Meaning that it's for the benefit of the other. It's for the benefit of another person. And he lists out these gifts. Wisdom. What value is there in wisdom if it's not for the benefit of the collective good of another person. Knowledge, what good is knowledge intrinsically if it is not used for the betterment and benefit of another person, of the collective good? Faith, what is good? What is faith if it's not for building up and encouraging other people to live boldly and faithfully? Healing, miracles, if it's not for the benefit of another person, that it's just to show off. It's just to brag. It's just to make a name for yourself. Prophecy. If prophecy is for your own benefit and not for the collective good, not for the benefit of another person, what is it then? Discernment. Distinguishing spirits. And I find it very fascinating that Paul, what does he put at the bottom of the list? The last thing. Tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Very fascinating. Because tongues is the one, it's very, very difficult when you're speaking and babbling in a different language that it could help another person. And that's why he adds the interpretation of tongues so that someone else can be blessed and benefited from that. And then, so, so what, do you, what, what Paul's saying, it's not... It's not just about using your talents. It's not about the talents, actually. That there's a greater purpose. There's a greater end. 
And he says something incredibly jarring to the church in the next chapter, chapter 13. He says this. He says, if I speak human or angelic languages in another language or a divine babbling type of language, which the church is struggling with, but do not love. I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I don't don't care how articulate you are. I don't care how funny you are. If you do not have love, you're just noise. Our worship leader, I don't care how good you sing. If you do not love, you're just noise. There's There's no intrinsic value if you do not love for this place in the church. He goes on, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and if I have all faith that I can even move mountains, but do not love, I am nothing. If that doesn't get the message across, and if I donate all my goods, if I give everything to the poor, the highest level of manifesting self-sacrifice, even if I do that, or even if I give my body kind of the highest honor in the Christian faith, if I become a martyr, but it's for my boasting, and it's not because I love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. There's something greater. There's something more important when it comes to these talents and gifts and skills when we gather here. And that's love. In the next portion, Paul perhaps writes the most beautiful description of love ever written in the human language. And can we, can we do something kind of special? Can we, can, we, can we read this all together aloud? It's going to be on the screen up here. But as we read it, can we really read it slow and reflective, not trite, but really meditating on what love is? Can we read it all together? Is it okay if I count to three? Does that work? One, two, and three. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. Paul is saying to the church, it's not about your gifts. It's not even about using your gifts and talents and skills. There's something greater. There's something more. There's something more important. He goes on and says, love 
Guys, love never ends. Prophecy will end. Knowledge and wisdom will pass away. Tongues will cease. And he says this thing about being a child. When I was a child, I, I walked like a child, talked like a child. But when I became a man, I left my childish ways behind me. I know in part it's this dim figure. But what, what Paul is saying, he's making a prophetic statement about the future. Paul is saying something prophetic about the future, saying that in the end, it will only be love. Love will be the language of the new of the new world, of the new heavens and new earth. Love will be the way that humans, we connect and communicate to one another. We will connect and communicate in kindness, in patience, in humility, in service. That will be the world that is to come. That's what's most important. You know, I want to I share a simple story about one of the members here at EV Free. And I got her permission to share this. Her name is Jen. She's a wife, mother of two, and she's on my Love Europe missions team. And in one of our meetings in, the, in our Love Europe missions team is we got to go around and share our testimonies and our stories of how we came to faith and how we landed here at EV Free. And there was something so fascinating about her story that really, that really drew me. And it was very simple, but yet profound. She talked about how when she came to EV Free, she just wanted to attend. She just, you know, she just had some previous baggage of another church, and she just wanted to kind of hide and pretend and not do anything. But also because she saw that there's so many, so many capable people here. There's so many talented people here. She just felt inadequate. I'm not good enough. What, what could I really offer this place? But then slowly, as she's sharing her story, that more and more of her friends invited her to women's ministry and then invited her to be a leader in women's ministry and then invited her to lead worship for women's ministry in pursuit. And then she ended up becoming a, one of the Bible teachers for pursuit. And actually now, she's one of our highly gifted, awesome executive assistants on staff. And like I mentioned, she's on my Love Europe missions team. But what excites me most is not the fact that, ooh, she gets, she's using her gifts and she's, she's being used and, and her gifts are, are being grown and honed and cultivated. That's not what was exciting to me. It was, it was this. I had coffee with her the other day. And this is what she said. She said, Eddie, I realized that God has been preparing me this whole time so that I could be a shepherd to so many women who need love. There's so many people in this church that need love. And I didn't realize that's what God was doing that whole time. When it comes to service, it's not about the actual gift in using it here. It's not about how talented you are or gifted you are. It's about practicing love. I just imagine what, what matters more to God 
that God is just seeing her and he's so excited that she actually has an opportunity to practice kindness, patience, humility, service. And why this is so important is because the world is not patient. The world is not kind. The world is full of envy and self-boasting and rudeness. And when I think about it, the only thing that shows me something different is on the cross. On the cross, Jesus loved me. On the cross, Jesus didn't show how talented or powerful he was. He showed me kindness, patience, love, service, humility. When I look at the cross, I'm not thinking about how talented I need to be. I'm not thinking about how talented I need to be at preaching or communicating or whatever, whatever I'm doing. I'm just thinking about what will it take, Lord? What will it take? I'm just so compelled to love people like you love because that's what's most important. That's what's most important. That Jesus changed my heart when I was incapable to love. And he gave me a community, EV free, so that I can practice how to do that well. That's why I serve. That's why I'm up here. When it comes to generosity and service, It's not about how talented we are. It's not about using our talents. It's are we practicing love? Are we practicing kindness, patience, with no competition, with no boasting, for the betterment of the other person in front of us so that their life would be changed? EV free. I hope when we are invited to serve this body that we'll say yes. That we won't we won't need to feel that we need to be talented or need to feel a certain level of being good enough or adequate, but we would see it not about using the talents, but we have an opportunity to practice love. Because in the end, it will only be love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And this morning, for some of my brothers and sisters that feel inadequate, feel like they have nothing to offer. I pray, Father, that you have shattered that mindset and that it's not about us. It's not about how good we are. It's not about how gifted we are or how talented we are. But, Father, 
It's about, can we practice the language of the new world that we're ushering in? Can we practice kindness, generosity, service, patience, to show the world your love? pray that we could see service is so much more about being used but it's about love Father we invite your Holy Spirit to encourage us and to touch us and to be inspired and compelled by the love of your son Jesus Christ for on the cross he did it out of love for you and for the world. May we be compelled by that love, constrained by that love. Pray all this in Jesus' name.